Hello and welcome again to the Command Point Podcast. This is episode 32. It is January 27th. I'm Shane. I am here with Ryan, of course. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to for our topic of conversation today. Uh, enter the Pariah Nexus. This is like the next big kill team expansion. We've been waiting a very long time for it, and there was a lot of speculation. And we can go back and look and see how accurate our speculation was. And I'll be honest, your speculation in particular was kind of spot on. Uh, uh, I don't know about spot on. I think it was about 50-50. I mean, you were the one, you were the only one I was hearing who was speculating that it was an arena-like thing. And oh, yeah, I was even, true. I was a little bit skeptical about that. And uh, you were, you were on the money about that. I, I saw the arena board, basically arena board. And uh, that was the first thing I thought of. So uh, so there's a lot of new stuff in this box. Like literally everything seems to be new. Uh, new models. Well, not really new models, but updated models. Um, yes. I Honestly, I don't even know where to start with here. I just have like a list of kind of topics that I wanted to cover about the uh, well, Pariah Nexus box. But what, yeah. are you, what do you want to do here? Well, we can talk about what's in the box first. That's probably yeah. the most important thing. Uh, we don't know when it's coming out. We don't know how much when, it's going to be. Or, yeah, how much it's going to be. Um, so that that information is still pending. All that they said was later in 2021 or later in the year, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But when they initially showed the teaser trailer, they said early 2021. So I don't know if if we're still going to be going off that schedule or for now. I would assume. Uh, relatively soon, probably. If I had to yeah. guess, probably next couple months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but as for what's in the box, there is, and and this is by the way, we now know officially. Well, actually, we knew since before this, uh, the the reveal that it is an expansion. It's not a uh, not a starter box. Yeah. So this is more going to be more like Rogue Trader than you know. It doesn't have like the core rule book or anything in it. It doesn't have dice um yes just treat it and look at it like rogue like you did with rogue trader yeah but what it does have is a pariah nexus book it being the expansion book and i'm really intrigued as to what's going to be in that book and and i'm excited to speculate i'm perfectly ready to speculate about what might be in that book today uh but as for the contents there is a space marine captain so that's a commander model a Necron Chronomancer, which is a commander model, and it's a new commander model to kill team, so not something we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, there are five Space Marine Heavy Intercessors, and I do believe that we know at this point that that, it, that you're going to have the whole kit in that box, so you can you can equip them as you would if if you were buying a box of Heavy Assault Intercessors when they do come out. Uh, in the yeah. Future. Necron Flayed Ones, five of them, and these are the new Flayed One models, so that's really exciting for for Necron players to to look forward to. I know mm-hmm. people have been complaining for years about those those old uh, resin sculpts. I believe um, not fun, really overpriced, hard to get your hands on. That yeah. shouldn't be a problem within a year's time. And uh, these these new Necron models are are going to be in the box. Weirdly enough, only five of them. Um, yeah, it's very so interesting. This could mean. Uh, the, I mean, they're, we're either expecting the Chronomancer to be an extremely expensive commander, 
Mm -hmm. um, or flayed ones are going to get a points upgrade, or this is kind of like some of the other, uh, I guess this isn't a starter box, but some of the other starter boxes where you couldn't even build a 100 point team out of it. Like I know the original box, right, with Gene Steeler Cult in it, I don't even think you could build a full 100 point kill team out of that box for the GSC side of it. So this, that wouldn't be new. Yeah. With the, um, the space Marine Reavers and Tau starter box, you can't build a hundred point list with the Reavers. You can get kind of close if you fully kit them out with all their war gear, but anyway. And not to mention the amount that they would have to increase the cost of the flayed ones for it to come out to a hundred without the commander. We already know that that's not going to happen. So the most likely scenario is this just, there won't be enough Necrons for a one, for a non-commander's game at the very least, possibly even for a commander's game. Yeah. Um, 48 pieces of the board's scatter terrain, basically. We're talking like, think arena terrain, but Necron themed. So yeah, like the barrels and boxes and then doors. there's doors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 34 objective cards. That's Which a is lot of objectives. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I want to point out the significance of what this could mean. Uh, so this doesn't mean there's going to be 34 secondary, like unique secondary objectives in the Prime Nexus box. When we got the arena boards, they gave us uh, two sets of each secondary, one for each player. So you divide this 34 into, that tells us that there's probably going to be 17 secondary objectives. So... That's kind of an odd number of secondaries, but literally an odd number, <laughs> literally an odd number. Uh, but we do know from some other screenshots that a lot of the secondaries in this box, probably it's going to include all of the original arena secondaries. We've seen screenshots with attrition and recon sweep, and we saw another screenshot with a secondary called breach. We couldn't quite read the writing on that screenshot, but just seeing that says, okay, there's going to be unique secondaries, obviously, seeing as there's more than we're in the arena box. So that is uh, worth worth mentioning. Uh, one Kill Team Prior Nexus book. Uh, we don't know how big it is, how many pages it's going to be, but looking forward to what's in that book, and we're going to speculate about that. And then one double-sided game board. So one less board than uh, arena and two less maps, essentially, because all, both the arena boards were, were double-sided as well. And uh, we've got pictures of the of the boards, I guess the maps, each side of the board. So we can kind of see. It's not, it's not a very high-quality photo. You can't really see the nitty-gritty of it, but you can get a general idea of what these boards are going to look like on these screenshots. And that is, that's everything that's in the Prime Nexus expansion box. So what do you think, Ryan? I mean, like, I'm, I'm hyped for everything in here, though especially the pariah nexus book itself i think that's the gonna be the the most important part of this release for the game going forward more so than just whatever models are included in the box yeah uh on the uh the the release the the video i guess the stream you could uh they, they did mention briefly that there are going to be rules for assault intercessors in the pariah nexus book um this is important to notice because there are obviously not assault intercessors in this uh, starter. Oh, sorry, I keep calling it a starter box, but <laughs> that's, not, that's not what it is. In this in this expansion, there there are no assault intercessor models. But the fact that they went out of their way to point out to us that there are going to be rules for assault intercessors, so we know that there's going to be data sheets in here, brand new data sheets. There is a pretty good chance 
that we might be seeing new rules for existing models as well, in my opinion. Um, notably, the uh, the Necron flayed ones, obviously, because those are what we're talking about. On the stream, they actually said um, you can now play with Necron flayed ones in Kill Team. I, and it and it always it never fails to amaze me <laughs> how little they seem to be aware of Kill Team. But there is maybe some speculation that you could do here. You could you could interpret that as they have changed some of the Necron Flayed One rules, and those new rules are in the Pariah Nexus book. Um, if I had to guess, since they are updating these things, I would bet money that, as far as the Flayed Ones go, we're probably going to see the the ninth edition Flayer Clause as their weapon, rather than the the re-roll all failed wound rolls uh, zero AP version. And the, for those of you that aren't aware, the the flare the flare clause in ninth edition, they don't re-roll all failed wounds, but they do have AP minus one. Okay. So I think a little bit, probably a little bit easier to deal with, in my opinion. I, I would much rather deal with AP one than with uh, <laughs> re-roll everything. Do you want to talk about what the assault intercessors are for the uninitiated? Because oh, the assault intercessors or the heavy intercessors? Oh, sorry, the the heavy intercessors. Um. Yeah, so basically they've got pretty, I don't have like the exact stats on hand, but we know that their toughness five, they're in Gravis armor. So that means that their toughness five, they have three wounds apiece. Um, They they probably have two to three close combat attacks. Um, And then they've got like their heavy bolt. There's like a, there's a stalker bolt rifle. And now I think this is the heavy bolt rifle that they have and then one of them can, it looks like can take a heavy bolter or some other heavy weapon and uh it's pretty interesting the heavy the heavy bolter has been updated recently in ninth edition um so i think we could potentially see an update for a slew of weapons yeah i actually have the list here of all the weapons that they can take in 40k and what the stat lines are so for starters, the heavy bolter that you're talking about, it, it is the the range is the same. The profile heavy three is the same. It's still strength five. It's still AP one, but it's now damage two. Yeah, I would imagine this is going to carry over into kill team. This this seems to me like the the end goal for Games Workshop is to have that redundancy. Yeah, I would certainly hope so that they would finally update their weapons profiles because yeah. a lot of these weapon profiles they were even changed in eighth. Yeah, and they have not been changed at all in Kill Team, which is uh, doesn't feel good. Um. So, uh, beyond the heavy bolter, there's the heavy bolt rifle, which mm-hmm. is not in Kill Team currently, but it is 36 inch rapid fire one, strength five, AP one, one damage, really strong weapon there. Yeah, uh, the executor bolt rifle, um, 42 inch range, heavy two, strength five, AP two, damage three. I wouldn't want to play against that. No. Um, 42 or sorry the executor bolt rifle 42 inch range heavy one strength five ap2 two damage and then the last is the hellstorm bolt rifle 30 inch assault three strength five zero ap one damage so those are that's that's a a really good selection of choices for the heavy intercessors um i don't want to have to play against those (laughs) yeah right um they will be taxed accordingly in the list um I'm not sure. I'm actually, 
I have the, I have the codex on the shelf beside me, um, but I'm just going to spitball here. I think I think they're going to be uh, slightly less expensive than like an Eradicator, but not that much. Somewhere between like 25 and 35 points, they'll probably fall for a kill team list. Yeah, the power is it's got a power rating of seven in big 40k for whatever that's worth. Uh, obviously, there's not an equivalent to that um, in kill team. But yeah, we, we I don't think we know the actual points costs at this moment. We know that there are going to be new data sheets in the book. We know that there's going to be the heavy intercessor data sheet, the assault intercessor data sheet, and I'm speculating clade ones. So and probably Goss Reaper too. Where we're going to have to have the Goss Reaper in there for Necron warriors. And then I'm pretty sure for the second time now they've mentioned the indominus box data sheets yeah we i mean we've talked about this i still don't believe that we're going to see bikes yeah like bikes and then the (laughs) the giant necron walker thing i think are pretty far-fetched but now that i see heavy intercessors with their toughness five and their three wounds and the weapons that they're going to be bringing into kill team i think that like it's not that crazy to have um, score pack destroyers in it now. I mean, well, here's the thing. A lot of the multi-damage isn't going to do that well against reanimation protocols. So, In their current state, yes. Yes. If there's a change to reanimation protocols, that would be huge. That would be a really big deal. Um, yeah. I think with the, with the weapons that we're seeing for heavy, or the heavy intercessors, what that's signaling to me is... is these weapons, a lot of these weapons, are really suited for a an environment of of the two wound marines, of the the upgraded. I guess the direction they're going with ninth edition. So we all kind of expected that the eventually those those two wound marines and all those data sheets are going to make their way over to kill team. And I think that this is just kind of another piece pointing towards that. I guess end game for GW with uh, with kill team and and that's that's interesting to think about I think. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, we mentioned briefly that there's two commander models that are going to be included in this box: the Space Marine uh, Heavy Intercessor Captain uh, and the Necron Chronomancer. So what do you what do you think personally about that fact? that there are commander models in this box. Are we going to, do you think that they're going to be shifting more towards commanders content commanders, just like stuff? Well, this tells us that they haven't given up on commanders. And I think that's important. Um, obviously, I mean, they, they've come out and said uh, in the past year that commanders wasn't balanced for competitive play. They've said that before they, they even, they've even said that for, for 125, 125 point kill team that it's not balanced for competitive play. So we have to take these things with a grain of salt. But uh, as far as releases go, to see them not just including commanders in a release, but including new commanders, it is interesting. And, and it's cool, I think, for the game to, to see some of that coming back to the surface. Yeah, I like it just because it brings so much more to the game. Um, and that's just fun to explore just from like a pure list building perspective. Yeah. Do we want to do a formal prediction for price? Like, what do you think? Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to I'm going to predict a hundred dollars, a hundred U.S. American dollar dues. That's funny you say that because I was actually thinking that one twenty would be like the hopeful. That would be my hopeful estimate. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be somewhere around one forty, one fifty. I'm hoping for one twenty, and if it's one hundred, I'll be over the moon. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there is a lot. I mean, to this day, our arena boxes and like our game stores are going for ninety, um, and this has a lot more than those arena boxes. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it's one less board. Less I mean, board. it's ever since they released the Indominus box for just two hundred dollars, it's like I'm I'm expecting just a lower price for something like this than we would have typically expected in the past. Yeah, that's true. 200 was decent for, uh, for the Indominus. That was, a it good was, deal. it was an amazing value yeah. that literally could not pass up on. Yeah. I guess with that in mind that they, that they did release Indominus at such a good value. I'll make my prediction 120. That 120. I think that's safe. That sounds more accurate. Yeah, I mean, there there's going to be a lot of people buying these just for the heavy intercessors because those sculpts are not in their own box yet. Um, so expect to see those on eBay. Yeah, when, right. Once this drops. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be people like me, and I think everybody should want this, who just want the book. Yeah. I mean, that book is going to be really important regardless of whether or not you have the models in that box. It's It's going to be important to have that. And the fact just for that, all the other data sheets. Yeah, I mean, this is just going to be another thing that until we get another annual that has these data sheets in there, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to be looking to Battlescribe for these rules, and that's that's not something that you want to have to do if you don't if you don't have to, right? Yeah. So, anything else about Pariah Nexus? I I mean. It's exciting to to see Kill Team highlighted on the GW release stream again. Mm -hmm. It's been such a long time. Um, it's cool to be getting something. I mean, there's a lot of negativity. I guess we didn't really talk much about the fact that that it is arena essentially. And oh yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked about how it felt to us that arena is not not even just felt it this is just kind of the case that arena is what gw wanted for competitive kill team so yeah. to see them pushing that that format more that's exciting to me because it, it's it gives the competitive community something and when you pair that with the fact that there may very well be some maybe just slight but some necron nerfs it does raise the possibility that maybe they have been listening to the community and listening to the competitive community in particular, which that's an exciting prospect to me. Yeah. I'd be over the moon if they changed reanimation protocols over the moon. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess that basically wraps it up for uh, Pariah Nexus. You want to get stuck into some mailbag now? Mailbag time. Let's do it. Yeah. into the mailbag mailbag so we've got a few questions 
picked out from the mailbag here. So this is from this first question is from Alec, uh, Alec Berryman. Uh, all the games I see on tabletop simulator take a lot longer than in person. What are some ways I can play faster on tabletop simulator? Uh, to me, the answer is obvious and it's just use a, use a clock, use a chess clock on the table in your tabletop simulator game. They help you. Yeah. I mean, they help you get used to it, but I think for a lot of people, there's that learning curve of TTS and they're, they're right. not so used to, to working in that format they're more used to being able to physically pick up their models and we see a lot of this and a lot of people give up really early on and they they play a couple games that take longer than what they're used to in real life and they say well i'm kind of done with this and in my opinion i think if you just stick with it 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 becomes a lot more natural and, and everything goes faster i mean even just little things like when you're playing on tts i'll see people like when they're streaming they'll they'll move their mouse up to the top left and click on the ruler and then measure. And it's like, you can actually just hold tab and it'll start measuring for you. You don't have to click on anything or you could hit F4 and it brings up the ruler, <laughs> like just little little micro things like that to just make everything go faster. Just learn some of the like basic hotkeys, just like the F keys really. Um, and just play a little bit more and you'll get used to it. I mean, I'm able to play games in less than an hour if I'm playing with somebody else that that is at my pace and that is something that i think should be possible um, and i think a lot of the longer games are, are it's usually coming from players that aren't that used to to playing on tts or aren't getting a lot of games in okay so this one's actually kind of interesting uh this is from tavdeg tavdeg buxa uh, make the opponent concede round two or during deployment, some sort of epic legend going around these parts, talking about one player's incredible deployment skills. Uh, can can you recall this this meme that has evolved in our Discord and its origins, Shane? The the legendary deployment. Um, I you know I hope he listens to this because that that would just that would make my day. Um, but this was a what was this tournament? It was bats, right? I think so. It was in like the knockout stage of, of bats all the way back in April, April, May. And maybe it was like June, July, actually. Yeah, I think that's right. Over the summer. Uh, and we had one of our, it was the first round of knockout. It was round of 32. It was post groups. And there was a game between, I don't know the other player, so forgive me. Uh, but it was between Optimura, who's a Spanish player who frequents our community, and another player who, who again, I, I don't recall who it was, but uh, the player conceded in deployment to Opti. And nobody watched this game. Nobody really saw it. I mean, there's there's like a couple like eyewitness accounts, but it's all very, <laughs> it's very murky. Yeah, it's um, kind of like a, like an alien abduction story. Yeah, it's like an urban legend kind of. <laughs> um, and he... he said the guy said that he just felt like he couldn't win and this, this was on arena too we have to preface this this was on arena the guy conceded before turn one even took place yes it was uh it and and so it has been known as the legendary optimira deployment um we can only speculate what happened on that that fateful day but um <laughs> Yeah, that's that joke for anybody that ever re- hears about that on the Discord. Um, 
I, you know, it's a little bit of lore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. This next one is from uh, Monkey Mod. Has it been considered whether all tabletop simulator dice rollers were born equal? And if tournaments are moving to pay for play, is it worth considering constraints? Okay. So my preferred dice roller is, of course, the Pringles can. Yeah, if you if you really are worried about it, you should just use the Pringles can. But as we hearken back to Alex's question, that might make games take a little bit longer. Oh, it um, will. It will. Yeah. For, for for those of you unaware of what we're referring to and what Monkey Mod is referring to, um, rolling dice on TTS is really kind of an odd thing because it's not like real life. You don't throw the dice down on the table. I mean, you can, but they'll go flying. Um, you drop them in a little box and the box spits them out. And it is apparently random. I say apparently because it's really hard for us to to tell because it is Just basically... Like real life. Yeah, I mean, it is basically an algorithm. And I mean, unlike actually throwing dice down, it's it might not be truly random. I'm not saying that the dice rollers are rigged. I don't think they are. No. But it is pretty annoying, right? Because a lot of people say that it seems like you'll get runs of certain results or it'll try and compensate, you know, and it's kind of weird to uh, to watch, and some people get really uncomfortable with it, especially kind of like he's talking about when you're you're paying to be in a tournament. Um, I don't think it's a huge deal. Uh, if you want true randomness, use the Pringles can because the Pringles can. Yeah. It's just this tower with like you just drop the dice in and they just physically fall down and they roll out. Yeah, so it's that, like an actual dice roller. Yeah, you're it's actually physics and everything. Yeah, it's using the physics engine in the game to roll dice and just drop them. So that's random. I mean, it takes a few seconds for any amount of dice to roll down there. So that's again, it's going to take longer. But um I wouldn't be too worried about it, honestly. Yeah. I haven't seen any dice rollers that have struck me as particularly egregious or different from the others personally i don't like the wheel ones you know what i'm talking about they're like kind of circular and you can increase and decrease the amount of dice that you're rolling and then you just push a button and it'll spit them all out around it personally i don't like those just because you like once you get used to working it you can do it really really fast and like I've played a game once or twice before when I've been like, oh, I, I just did not see that role at all. If you don't want to use the Pringles can, I just use the I just use the the default cardboard box roller, you know. And, you know, like if. If your opponent like has a different dice roller, that's like not the same one that you're using, just ask them, hey, can we, can we just use the dice rollers that are built into the table? Yeah, most people aren't going to have a problem with that. If somebody has a problem with that, then... If they do, then it's mad sus. I will <laughs> say that. It's mad sus. All right. Uh, Manco, our good friend Manco, who uh, who does all of the music for our podcast, shouts out to him. Uh, after COVID, do you think the competitive meta will be driven entirely by in-person tournaments or has Tabletop Simulator become a critical part of evolving this game? Uh, e.g. by expanding the eligible pool of competitive players beyond the subset of people that can afford to travel for events, etc. 
Um, so Shane, you told me one time that you felt like our Discord server is kind of like a hyperbolic time chamber for competitive <laughs> players. I think it is. Um, I, I think that once once in-person tournaments return on a regular basis, I, I think that the, the real tournaments that happen are going to be the ones that people pay the most attention to, the ones that get the most eyes. I don't think that the TTS tournaments are going to compete in that regard, but I do think that TTS is not something that's going to go away, uh, especially with the way that the community has grown. Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see people playing on TTS. We're going to continue to see maybe just smaller events run over TTS. And I think, and this is something I've said in the past too, I think the players that are doing the best at real life tournaments are going to be the players that are playing on TTS because those are the guys that are getting the most games in. They're playing against the highest level of competition on a more regular basis um, because not everybody's local scene is going to have other very good players, whereas you can always hop on one of the big Discord communities and, and find another really good kill team player that, that might be hundreds of miles away or on a different continent even. Um, so I guess that kind of uh, answers the question that, that yeah. Mike was asking is, uh, I think TTS is, is always going to be relevant. I'll always play on TTS just because a lot of my favorite people in the community are nowhere near me. And I like playing kill team with these people. So I'll continue to be on TTS, but I also will, of course, prioritize going to, to real life tournaments. And I think a lot of people are going to look at it the same way. Yeah. Uh, another question from Monkey Mod. Do you think it is possible for a packet to be equally balanced for both hordes and elites? And if, and, uh, if so, what would this take? Zenith 2021. Uh, the packet that... We, that uh Birnid, data team and ourselves have uh put together um i think it's the most balanced competitive kill team packet out right now for 125 points yeah i mean i first of all i think any i mean i think there's a lot of layers to that because yeah building, yeah. A, building a packet that is balanced there's a lot of things that you need to have right right off the bat. And I don't want to get into commanders because it's kind of uncharted territory on a, on a bigger scale and I can't yeah. speak much for it. But as far as non-commanders kill team goes, I think I think 125 will always be more balanced than 100. Um, so right off the bat, I, I, if I'm thinking balanced packet, I'm not thinking of 100 points. I think we've seen what happens at 100 points and it, it isn't, it, it no longer really surprises anybody yeah um, it's, the it's same pretty team. obvious yeah it's the same teams a lot of the factions are just priced out of being able to compete yeah elite factions in particular have really struggled at 100 and i don't know if we've ever seen that many uh big tournament results from an elite team at 100 points so it's hard to look that way um beyond that uh the primary format you can go either way i personally and ourselves, the, the people that helped create the Zenith packet, we personally prefer hold, hold, hold. Um, it's in line with, with what GW is doing, but as far as balance goes, I think a lot of people cast hold, hold, hold aside because they saw what happened at 100 points. And they kind of attributed that to the format overall rather than saying, well, maybe there's an issue with the points value. Because as soon as we went to 125, we pretty much went right to hold kill, which in my opinion is a format that 
that has its own problems. Yeah. Um, so beyond that, I mean, you have to start looking at secondaries. You have to start looking at boards, and it gets a little bit complex. If if you have a packet like WWO or uh, like Slaughter Zone or Ibericon, where there are different varying degrees of randomness in the way that secondaries are drawn, um, obviously WWO being the most random and uh, Slaughter Zone and Ibericon being brackets, like different tables of six secondaries that you can draw from. When you do that, you demand flexibility for the successful teams in, in that are gonna be playing on this packet. And time and time again, when we demand flexibility from our kill teams, we see Drakari, we see Asuryani, we see Necrons, we see Astra Militarum. Those teams dominate every single time because they're the most flexible teams. They, they don't push too hard one way. They can kind of do everything decently. They might not do one thing amazingly, and they definitely don't do anything badly, but they do everything pretty well. So this leaves teams that aren't flexible, like most elite teams or like custodies, right? Yeah. Something yeah. that just kills. I mean, they're, they're not really going to be able to hold. Those teams, they don't have that flexibility. So once you stop demanding flexibility and you start allowing teams to spec into what they're good at, so open choice secondaries, kind of like we have on Zenith, open choice easy secondaries specifically. It allows teams to to figure out, it allows players to, to look at their team, figure out what their team is good at, and then spec into it as much as possible. And uh, this is a pretty big deal, in my opinion, when, when it comes to, to creating a balanced packet. And I saw some people talking about, well, what if we introduced banning secondaries? Like they're, like in the deployment zone, uh, deployment phase, we had like a banning stage. And in my opinion, this just leans more into the flexibility uh, aspect, which is not something that we want to encourage. Um, flexible yeah. teams are going to be good no matter what. Flexible teams are going to be good on Zenith because they are already good teams. They can do a lot of things really well. But if you demand flexibility, it's only them that can win. Whereas if you stop demanding that, every team can figure something out theoretically. And and that that is the philosophy behind Zenith. Yeah. The way Zenith works with its uh, free choice secondaries, it just enables you to play your preferred faction the way that you want to play it. It plays to the faction's strengths because you're just able to do that 100% of the time. You're not beholden to uh, some random table, you know, and that goes both ways for hordes and elites. You get a bad draw, you can you can get just blown out. Yeah. I mean, how many times have, have, for listeners, how many times have you picked a faction for WWO or TAO and looked at it and thought, yeah, this team can't do enough. They're good at this one thing that I really like that might play into my play style, but they don't do, they don't do enough. And so I can't really play them and expect to succeed. Uh, yeah. Zenith, you can take that thing that they do really well and you can build your game plan around it. And, and ideally you can succeed. Uh, so Academic Chris has a question about Zenith. Uh, he basically wants to know how we created the packet and how we play tested it and, you know, how the sausage was made. Uh, well, I mean, there was a lot to it. It was first we wanted to look at what GW's given us. And, and, and instead of trying to come up with something crazy and different, we, we wanted to take the good parts of that product, that 
being Arena and, and Ultima, take the good parts of that product and modify it slightly and, and use it as a foundation to, to build off of. So we stuck with hold, hold, hold for that reason. And we stuck with the core group of secondaries, making small changes here and there, like with cut off the head, um, high profile targets, and then adding a, a couple of secondaries that in our experience has been good for competitive play without being too out there. Mm-hmm. So first we went for that. Uh, we looked at past tournament results and and tried to extract from that an, an interesting, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Like we looked at the differences between what was winning in packets like Nova or uh, the kill hold formats like LVO and, uh, and BAO and stuff like SoCal 2019 that was the only 125 hold 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 tournament and it wasn't dominated by elites or rather it wasn't dominated by pure hordes it was there there were really good performances from elite teams at that tournament and that was something really interesting to me and i wanted to uh to kind of push that push into that direction a little bit while while sticking to the kind of the the foundation that gw gave us and from there we kind of worked together as a group we play tested it in private bef- well before we released it for a couple months yeah um, we were we were playing games pretty actively on there and uh just trying to uh trying to get it as good as possible without we didn't want it to be like we made it in a weekend and then we just threw it out into the wild because a lot of times what happens is you do that and then the packet doesn't actually end up getting changed that much yeah, we didn't want to do that. We kind of just wanted to, at least personally, I wanted to just have like the kinks ironed out from Arena. Um, specifically, there was some of the doors on a couple of the maps. Um, I think it's Garrison Vault. Not Garrison. It was uh, Armorium and Catacombs were the two maps. Yeah, Catacombs it. specifically. Uh, that map like just straight out of the arena box without like modifying it in any way. Uh, It basically comes down to if you take the middle room where the middle objective is, and then you just hold the door, uh, you know, you just keep rolling five ups and that door doesn't open. uh, You're like, that's 99% of the game. Like you're probably going to win. So we just straight up took the doors out from that middle room. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that and on, then on Armorium, we took out some of the side doors to those middle rooms on the sides because they didn't really add anything. There was nothing right. going on in those rooms otherwise. And uh, by removing those doors, we uh, we basically created extra firing lanes on those maps, which I think is nice for, for some of the more shooty teams. But yeah, uh, and so now... Right now, it's in its beta stage. We've released it to everybody, as you probably are well aware. Um, and you can just hop into our Discord and play test it. And uh, we're just, we've been compiling stuff into an FAQ, um, answering kind of everybody's questions about certain rules interactions that have been brought up um, just in Kill Team in general and specifically for the packet. So it's still a work in progress. But uh, we're we're getting close to finalizing it, I think. Yeah, I mean the the current version of the FAQ is is out for the public. You guys can go over to our Discord on the Zenith cha- 
uh, channel for uh, for that. It's on Zenith Announcements, if I'm not mistaken. So it's several, several pages. It's been a long process getting it to work. Um, but yeah, it's out there and we're still working on it. We're still taking questions. So if you go through there and there's something that you're wondering about just through a game that you played, um, you know, uh, let us know and we will we'll work on getting that out in the FAQ. So that basically does it for the mailbag. I think that's I think that's a wrap. Yeah, no, I think we've uh, we've covered a lot of bases. We hit up the mailbag today. It's been it's been too long since we've it's done been a mailbag. Bag. Yeah. Yeah. So for everybody that is uh, still listening, thank you very much. We appreciate you. If you're listening on YouTube and you're not subscribed, please do that. We'll be very grateful. Uh 69% of you are not subscribed. What are you doing? <laughs> if you listen this far, you must love our content. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button. We would we would greatly appreciate it. And if you really, really love us, you can follow us on Patreon, $4 a month, and you get access to exclusive series. You get early access to all of our videos and our podcasts. And uh, yeah, we you, you get our eternal love and gratitude, which I think is the most important of all of those things. So... Uh, shout out to our Patreon followers. You guys are the best. You guys are awesome. Um, and for those of you listening, have a great rest of the week.